0: This is the third Sunday of Advent. Thank you to the pages for uh, lighting the Advent wreath and reading this morning. We're in a series of messages called uh, Christmas Gifts I Need. Christmas Gifts I Need. Now around the world there would be a long list of things that people really need. In Aleppo, Syria, families are saying these days, Oh, I need protection." I need to get out of this place. I need food, the food is running out. We don't have a safe place to put our heads at night. We no longer even have a home. And my needs are so different. What is the Christmas gift I really need? I need the gift of compassion that my heart is really stirred at someone else's loss, that, that I am broken, that I am broken with the loss of others and the brokenness of other people. So this morning our theme uh, is the gift of compassion. I'd like you to come with me to a little town of about 2,000 people. It's a Saturday morning. Several dozen Jewish uh, men have gathered at the synagogue. They're sitting at the, on the floor while some women are standing at the back. And the place is abuzz because uh, news has come their way that someone who grew up in their town, a man named Jesus, has been doing amazing miracles and has some amazing teaching. And he's, he's been at Capernaum, just 20 miles away, but now he has come home. <laughs> and maybe Mary, his mother, has been out recruiting for this service. You know how mothers are. Hey, Abigail, tell your family, my son's going to be at the synagogue on Saturday. You can't miss this. You've got to be there. And after the opening prayers and a reading from the Law of Moses, the attendant of the synagogue picks up a scroll that contains the writings of the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus, being the guest preacher, gets to select the passage. And uh, he finds the section on the scroll that we have come to categorize is Isaiah 61. And here are the very simple words that he selects to read to the people in his, remember, hometown. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come or now come. After reading the words from Isaiah's prophecy, he tightens up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant, and then he goes to sit down to begin his sermon. Isn't that interesting? He stood to reach to read the scripture, but he sits down to preach. Can someone bring me a chair, please? (laughs) Just kidding. The very first sentence of his sermon is riveting. Every eye is on him. The scripture says that they're watching him. What is he up to? Today, these words have come true. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day, right now. Whoa, it's as though he's saying, in case you didn't get it, folks, I'm it. I'm the one the Scripture is talking about. The reading from Isaiah is fulfilled in me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm the one that Isaiah was moved to prophesy about so many years ago. And as he talked... The crowd got a little bit more anxious and a little bit more anxious and then a little bit more irate. And people were saying, who does he think he is? What's he talking about? Where's he coming from? And a woman standing in the back is thinking, I remember when you climbed the the olive tree in our backyard. And I remember saying to you, get back, get down because you're going to break your neck up there. And And I scooted you out of the backyard. Yeah, I don't think you're the Messiah. We know you. And the people aren't buying it because they know him. It'd be like if I looked out today and I said, Hey, Mike, it's great to see you this morning. Because <laughs> I remember when I created you. You would all think, You've got to get this guy out of the pulpit. He's gone from, from talking about God to thinking he is God. And they were saying, Come on, come on, we know you. And they drag him out of the synagogue to the edge of the town. There's a section here that we didn't, we didn't read in full this morning. To a cliff just outside of town. And they intended to push him over the cliff. Enough of you. You are gone. And if you've read what's happen, what happened next, it, it makes Arnold look like a wimp. He faces down the mob. The Bible says he walked straight at them. He just cut a path right through them and they couldn't touch him. It wasn't his time. And he had the courage and the power to walk right through them. Intentionality, at its best—that's the story of this passage. Uh, that's the story of Christmas. That Christmas is God coming to Earth as a baby. God wrapping himself uh, himself in the clothes of humanity. Humanity and divinity coming together—the God-Man. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And not only was He born with great intentionality, He lived with great intentionality. And this passage actually, we don't write mission statements too much for ourselves, but this passage actually is His mission statement. This is why He came. E. Stanley Jones, the great missionary evangelist of the Methodist Church in India for years went around the countryside of India holding what he called ashrams or retreats and people would come and he would meet with them for two to five days in the pursuit of spiritual renewal and when they got there he would gather them around himself and he would say I have three questions I want you to wrestle with in these next few days and the first question is why are you here and the second question is And what do you need? And the third question is, what do you want God to say to you? Those are three great questions for us to tuck away, even as we think about this passage this morning. Why are you here? And what do you need this morning? And what do you want God to say in your life? When Jesus said what he had to say in the synagogue in Nazareth 2,000 years ago, hearts got really crusty and very skeptical. And that kept them from hearing and really answering those questions of uh, why are you here and what do you need and and what do you want God to say to you? Because they couldn't embrace who Jesus really was. Crusty and skeptical, crusty and skeptical, hard-hearted and unrepentant. And it blocked them from hearing God. And what what Jesus was looking for from from the people from his hometown was a soft heart, a compassionate heart, because he wanted them to believe in him, and he wanted them to understand his mission. He wanted them to know who he was, but it was just too much. It was just too much. It, It was too heavy for them. It was too hard for them to understand his mission, and they couldn't get it. It was hard to believe that this young guy who had climbed up an olive tree in the backyard of his neighbor's place could actually be, in fact, the Messiah of the world. Now, I want you to see that there are four groups of people who are the target audience in Isaiah 61. And and Jesus is the Messiah who fulfills that prophecy in Luke chapter 4. First of all, the poor. The spirit of... Of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. I want to recommend a book to you if you haven't come across it. It's a, it's a book written by Richard Stearns, uh, used to be president of the of World Vision. He wrote the book a number of years ago now, and it's called "The Hole in Our Gospel." He makes the case that that there is not a hole in the gospel, but there, there's a hole in our gospel in the way that we come to our scriptures and the way that we put, we put the Messiah, we put Jesus in this little box, and the, that the scripture actually reaches out uh, to address the needs of a world that is impoverished, that is lacking in justice and in compassion, and that's filled with bondage and oppression. And so Richard Stern writes that his, his friend at Trinity Evangelical Seminary outside of Chicago, uh, Deerfield, did a a class experiment with some of his fellow students. And they went through all 66 books of the Bible and they underlined every passage and verse that dealt with poverty or wealth or justice or oppression. And then one of the students took a pair of scissors and physically cut every one of those verses out of the Bible. And the result was... A volume in tatters. And he just kind of held it up. It was just like there was so much missing from the Bible. Large pieces were missing from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when he would speak, this man would hold up this Bible and, and say the Bible is full of holes. We've left out some very important passages that speak to the heart of what God says is important for our hearts and lives today. And one of those holes is our care for the poor. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Anyone here this morning go through the Great Depression? I doubt that we would have too many here this morning that that have. It's a long time ago. I surely heard my parents talk about it because they went through the Great Depression. And uh, they saw poverty in, in our country. We may think that there's very little poverty in Canada or in the United States today, but increasingly we know how erroneous that is. We have a culture today that says there's no reason why a person should be poor in our country. Uh, We know that's not really true, but that's what we've told ourselves. Poverty is equally difficult in Canada because the standard of living is so high, the costs are so great, It costs a lot to live in Canada, to have a place to stay, to have a vehicle, to have food, to have clothes. And those are the basics for survival. You can even make a lot of money in our country and be poor. But if you lived in the first century, poverty was everywhere. If you were born poor, you died poor. There was no way a poor person could kind of pull themselves up by the bootstraps and say, I'm going to get out of this. You're pretty much stuck where you were born one of the things that Jesus reminds his churches of is to to care for the poor to have a heart for the poor and what when Jesus lives in your life the result is that you will care for the poor you will put them on your agenda and you know here's the reality the more you connect with the poor the more actually you connect with Jesus the more you connect with Jesus St. Francis of Assisi believed that uh, Jesus comes through the poor to us. You know the name Tony Campolo, perhaps. He's the guy that made famous the words, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And in a book he wrote on the resurrection, he tells the story. He said, I'm walking down Chestnut Street in Philadelphia. There's a dirty, filthy guy covered with soot from head to toe, covered with filth. And he has this huge beard. He said, I, I will not forget the beard. He has a gigantic beard uh, with rotted food stuck in it. He held a cup of McDonald's coffee. And he mumbled as he walked along the street. He spotted me and he said, Hey, mister, you want some coffee? I knew I, I should take time to be nice. And I did. And I had a little drink of his coffee. And I gave it back to him and said, You're pretty generous this morning giving away your coffee. What's got into you that you're giving away your coffee all of a sudden? He said, Well, uh, the coffee was especially delicious this morning. And I figure if God gives you something good, you ought to share it with people. I figured this is the perfect setup. He's got me. Is there anything I can give you in return, I said. I'm sure he's going to hit me up for $5. He said, yeah, you can give me a hug. I was hoping for the $5. <laughs> he, he put his arms around me. And I put my arms around him. And then I realized something. That he, he isn't going to let me go. He's holding on to me. Here I'm the establishment guy in my my suit and my tie, and this guy's he's hanging on to me. He's hugging me. He's not going to let me go. And people are passing on the street, and they're staring at me, and I'm embarrassed. But little by little, my embarrassment turned to awe. And I heard a voice echoing down through the corridors of time saying, I was hungry. Did you feed me? I was naked, did you clothe me? I was sick, did you care for me? I was the guy you met on Chestnut Street, did you hug me? For if you did it unto the least of of one of these my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. And if you failed to do it unto the least of these my brothers and sisters, you failed to do it unto me. Well, we don't have to go far, do we, to find those words. That's Matthew 25. When we do it to the poor, Jesus meets us there. Jesus comes through the poor and he touches us and he blesses us. If you want to feel the presence of Jesus, and you can, there are many avenues that you can take. But one of them is to go among the poor. For Jesus has a strange way of staring back at you every time you look into the eyes of someone who's in desperate need. Our church uh, is part of uh, the North American Baptist Conference. We're about about 400 churches in Canada and the United States. But we have a missions program, and it's located in Cameroon, one of our fields. And as I think about it, we have hospitals and medical work in Cameroon, and that's kind of how we got started there, with an emphasis on helping people. And we've sent doctors and nurses and built hospitals and uh, you know what happened? God showed up and people came to Christ and we started some churches and they formed a conference over there just like we've got a conference here in Canada and the United States and now they're larger than we are and it started with caring for the poor and now the Cameroonians are the doctors and the nurses in these hospitals caring for their own people. I think it's absolutely stunning what God is going to do as we think about the poor as we care for the poor and I believe God will show us in unique ways Uh, we'll just quietly listen to his whispers and in time in time uh, TCC will continue to experience the blessing of God in this area just as we've experienced it in so many other areas so first group the poor the poor second group is the imprisoned. Jesus said, he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. We live in a culture where uh, if you get a high-powered lawyer, you might get a significantly reduced sentence even if you're guilty. Classic case O.J. Simpson. In the day in which Jesus lived, if you were a prisoner, you probably never got out of jail. There were no trial lawyers that would plead your case. There's a good chance you would die in prison. I should mention 19 if you're following in Luke chapter 4 verse 19 so that some of this makes just a little bit more sense to you. That the time of the Lord's favor has come. Remember we read that this morning? The time of the Lord's favor has come. It's actually a reference to Leviticus chapter 25 which talks about the concept of the jubilee. The Jubilee was a celebration of the 50th year. And on the 50th year in the life of the Hebrew people, some amazing things were supposed to happen. First of all, all debts were canceled. And all prisoners were set free. Isn't that amazing? All the prisoners were set free. All the debts, if you had a financial debt, they were all canceled on the 50th year. All land was given back to those who originally possessed it. And there was a redistribution of the land, which, of course, remember the poor can't rise up and and be be, uh, be wealthy again. Well, this was a chance for those who had kind of lost out in life's race. It was a chance to get a new beginning. It was a place of hope. I mean, the 50th year, just wait for the 50th year and the tables will be turned. And even though Moses commanded that the Jubilee be observed, this should be noted that never once did the Jews observe a Jubilee. Never once. It was commanded, but they never did it. It never happened. Why? Well, if you're in the establishment and you have the money, you never want a Jubilee to take place because you're going to take a hit. And as a result, it never happened. It takes the goodwill of people to make something like that happen. But Isaiah 61 says that when the Messiah comes, the Messiah will declare the Jubilee. Oh, so the freedom will be in Him. That He will be the Jubilee. So the Jubilee is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And that's what verse 19 is all about. And that time of the Lord's favor has come. It has come in Jesus. It has intentionally come. Jesus came. He was born on the planet And he had a mission. He had a very intentional mission. And the Lord is the Messiah of Isaiah 61. And in him there is jubilee. There is good news for the poor. There is release for the captive. There is sight for the blind. And there is freedom for the oppressed. So when Jesus stood up and read those words in the synagogue that day in his hometown, suddenly you see that this is not just another Bible reading. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. Something has happened happening which Isaiah predicted 600 years before. That in Christ the captives would be released. That there would be deliverance for the captives. That there would be deliverance for the prisoners of life. And not just those that were behind bars, but captive in other ways. And Jesus wants every one who is captive to experience what he's talking about the year of jubilee. More specifically, Jesus wants us all to be set free from the things that bind us. And that's why he came, to deliver uh, us from bondage. Deliverance is more than just releasing a prisoner from jail. Jesus came to set us free from slavery to sin. The scripture tells us that we're all slaves to sin and that we need someone to deliver us, to rescue us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Many people are in bondage today, whether it's alcohol or drugs or sex or gambling or eating addictions or fear of the future or fear of failure or worry or bitterness or anger, There's no freedom. There's no freedom. And deliverance begins with a decision to let Jesus Christ lead you out of the prison that you're in. And to know that there is a way out. There is the day of the Lord's favor. It's being with Him and saying, Jesus, just please set me free from this. Please set me free from this because of who you are. Please set me free from this. Deliver me from this bondage. And that's what He will do. That's what he will do. So the first group is the poor. The second group is the imprisoned. And the third group is the blind. Jesus stood up in that synagogue and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me so the blind will see. In these days, uh, Uh, There's amazing things that can be done through laser surgery. If a person was born blind or becomes blind. In those days, if you were blind at birth, you were blind your whole life. It wasn't treatable. But Jesus comes to heal the blind. He comes to heal the body. He comes to heal the emotions. He comes to heal body, mind, and soul. And none of us understand why some are healed and some are not. I'm sure you think about that a lot too. Why are some healed and some are not? Someone asked Mother Teresa, how do you explain these things? That some people who are so godly and pray so hard and, and, and they get sick and they die. <laughs> and other people who don't deserve to get healed, in our estimation, do. Do. She said, I don't know either. But when I see him, he's got a lot of explaining to do. I think she had a smile on her face. We don't know the Lord's way. We don't know. We don't know how he works. But the Lord does heal. I want to reference another of Tony Campolo's stories. He writes, he said, I was in a a church in Oregon some years ago. And I prayed for a man who had cancer in the middle of the week I got a telephone call and it was his wife and she said you prayed for my husband he had cancer I said had he had cancer whoa I thought it happened she said he died I felt terrible she said no no don't feel bad when he came into the church that Sunday morning he was filled with anger He knew he was going to be dead in a very short period of time. And he hated God. 58 years old, he wanted to see his children grow up. He wanted to see his grandchildren grow up. And he was so angry that this all-powerful God did not take away his sickness and heal him. He would lie in bed and curse God. And the more his anger grew towards God, the more miserable he was to everybody around him. It was an awful thing just to be in his presence. It's like, oh. And you prayed for him. And when he left that church, a peace had come over him and a joy had come into him. And Tony, the last three days have been the very best days of our lives. We've sung. We've laughed. We've read scripture. We've prayed. Oh. These have been wonderful days. And I called to thank you for laying your hands on him and praying for healing. And then she said something incredibly profound. Listen to it. She said, He wasn't cured, but he was healed. He wasn't cured, but he was healed. Whoa. Cures don't last very long. If you get. Cured. And there are many of us in the room today that have been cured. Uh, and I'm sure you can testify with praise to God intervening in a time of sickness, delivering a cure. But it's only temporary. You're going to die anyway. Oh, but to be healed, to be healed in your heart, to be healed in your mind, to be healed in your relationship with God, Oh, it's true that sometimes God works through a temporary cure to inspire someone else to trust in God. That's just like God. He's sovereign. He works in many ways. And we just honor however he works. We acknowledge, Jesus, that you are the Lord, you are the healer, you are the deliverer. And sometimes God uses an illness, actually, to heal our hearts. So he can do it in reverse. It also works that way. And sometimes God uses a tough thing in life to bring us to an understanding of the priorities of life. So three groups, the poor, the imprisoned, the blind, and the final group is the oppressed. That the oppressed will be set free. There's a lot of oppressed people in the world. It was true in the Old Testament. It's true in the New Testament. There was slavery. There were cruel governments that inflicted suffering upon the people. And today when we look all around the world, not a lot has changed. There's terrific oppression. Our own country has spent billions of dollars in military aid and educational aid to Afghanistan simply because of the oppression in that land. But it's just more obvious there. It's in Haiti. It's in our country. It's in Syria these days, beyond our imagination. Beyond our imagination. The news reports on it, but few are actually there. Just be beyond what we could imagine. Many people around us feel oppressed. I mean, it could be that you're here today, and if the truth were told, you feel oppressed feel a heaviness you feel a depression some of it can be alleviated through medical treatment and that's important to be diligent to follow through on medical treatment and some depressions are spiritual and psychological in nature and Jesus can touch you this morning if that's what you're going through he can lift the heaviness he can take away the deadness of your soul. He can. He has the power. It happens when you connect with him, when you take time for him, when you allow him to fill your life. He sends the heaviness on its way and he replaces it with an uncomprehendable peace. Uncomprehendable only God, only God can do that. Christmas time. Intentionality at its best. Jesus came to us. Very intentional. Very intentional mission statement, too. He knew why He came to us. He was born to be our Savior. And He came to save us. He announced in Luke 4 that He was the Jubilee. He was the Jubilee. He was the time of the Lord's favor. And that has come. The time of the Lord's favor has come to us. Oh, what a blessing that is. We no longer live in darkness. The light shines into the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. It's good to be reminded of the three questions of E. Stanley Jones, the missionary. The first question is, why are you here? What is your mission? And the second question is, what do you need? What do you need today? What do you need to be set free from? And the third question is, what do you want God to say to you? What do you want him to say to you? Do you want him to develop your compassion index? Do you want him to say to you, I'll help you, by the way. Uh, Do you want him to say, I'm with you. Do you need to hear that? Or I forgive you. Do you need to hear that? Or I send you. Or I love you. Or I have a plan for you. Or I will strengthen you. Just ask him. What do you need? Just ask him. Let's stand together. Lord, first of all, we want to tell you that we believe you are the Messiah. We do. And we believe that you came to give us freedom from our bondage and from our blindness and from our prisons that hold us captive. So I pray, Lord, you will stir our hearts today anew with compassion for the people around us in our world. Uh, Lord, we're blessed. We want to just remind ourselves again this morning. We're blessed that we live in this country. Uh, We complain uh, lots, but... Lord, when we think of it, oh, you've given us so much. And thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the things that we just take for granted, a warm home and food and clothing and friendship and family. And Lord, you remind us as well that we're to steward those blessings that have come our way. Now, Lord, would you speak directly to our hearts this morning? And I want to say to you, family and friends today, if there's a heaviness in your heart, and you want to say, just pray for me this morning. There's a heaviness in my heart. I'm carrying stuff. And I need to be released from that. Just, just lift up your hand. And, as our heads are bowed, just lift up your hand. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Lord, you know our hearts, you know what we carry, you know the, the weight of the things that we, that press in upon us, and so would you break that this morning for individuals, or give them grace to carry it, or give them strength if it's a trial. Or if it's something that, that you want to send on its way, Lord, would you send it on its way, move it out? Would you break through that oppression and give us peace and a brand new beginning? Lord, so hear our cries this morning. Hear our prayers. And we just praise you for the victory and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.